0: If you've got your Bibles with you, would you turn, please, to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 27. How the barren bear fruit. How the barren bear fruit. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 27, 27. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman, who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who have no labor pains. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now we brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. This verse, this quote from Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 1 is found right there in the middle of Galatians where this newly formed church had begun to withdraw from the ministry of the Spirit that had been so powerful in their early days. The works of God's miracles were amongst them. The discipling and the learning of God was done consciously by a work of the Spirit in their hearts. But they had been persuaded by some legalists that the way to live the Christian life was according to the Mosaic law. And here in this passage, uh, this comes in the middle of an allegory where uh, Paul is t- talking about Abraham and Abraham having two wives, Sarah and Hagar, and then having two sons, Ishmael and Isaac, and how Hagar and Ishmael were symbolic of. Uh, reproduction without God, human effort, fleshly effort to get things done, where of course Sarah and Isaac were a result of God's promise. Uh, It was a miracle birth, and then he speaks this verse, rejoice barren woman who does not bear, break forth and shout, you have no labor pains, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. We brothers, like Isaac, are the children of the promise. It's God's promise to us that brings fruitfulness. Fruitfulness is important. Barrenness and fruitfulness are great themes in the Bible. I mean, not only did Abraham's life, most of Abraham's life, do you know this? Most of Abraham's life was barren. And barrenness. It was only at the end of his life that the promised son Isaac came through. The same for Sarah. And barrenness is often exemplified in the Bible. For example, Rachel, Isaac, faced the same barrenness that his father faced. But he turned to the Lord, he prayed, and the Lord eventually opened Rachel's womb. So Rachel was barren. Rebecca, Jacob's wife, she suffered barrenness until the Holy Spirit intervened. We see at the beginning of First Samuel, that wonderful woman Hannah, seeking the Lord so strongly that the priest thought she was drunk for a, a child and, and God gave her fruitfulness in her barrenness, and Samuel was born to her and served God in such a powerful way. What about Elizabeth? Elizabeth in uh, the New Testament, who would give birth to John the Baptist, and in their old age, they had been barren most of their life. Barrenness is seen throughout the Bible as something not only that God wants to deal with, but also that he works through. Think about the beginning. Think about Genesis. And think about the mandate for creation and the mandate for humanity that God gave. It was all about being fruitful and multiplying, wasn't it? When you look at all the plants that God created, be fruitful and multiply. And the fish in the sea, they began to swarm. And the birds in the air, there's this incredible picture of great multiplication and great fruit fruitfulness and when Adam and Eve were formed, uh, God's mandate to them before they fell was fill the earth multiply. It was God's mandate for humanity. And then when the fall came, where did judgment hit? Well, it hit at the fruitfulness in some ways. For example, the ground was cursed. It wasn't ever to be as fruitful as it was before the fall. The ground and its multiplication and its fruitfulness was was, was affected by the fall and rebellion. Also, we find that in childbirth, one of the things that was said to Eve was that there would be difficulties in childbirth, multiplication, fruitfulness, natural fruitfulness, was not as easy as it would have been before that fallen state. And we see that. And then when God later on visits Abraham, the founder of the Hebrew religion, the father of all who believe, Gentiles or Jews, the man in whose footsteps we are meant to walk. He's an example of faith for us. And we find him and his wife in a barren state. And God addresses their barrenness in his promise to them. And he says, you're, he says, you're no longer going to be called Abraham. But you're going to be called Abraham, father of many nations. And Sarai, Sarah, a a princess. And God gave them a promise that they would have their own miracle child, Isaac. And then much of Abraham's story is how he held on to the promise in the midst of barrenness. God promised him. He said, see the stars? Can you count them? Abraham said, no. He said, so will your descendants be see the sand on the shore yes can you count them no more of your de- there'll be more of your descendants than all of these sands on the shore. What incredible promises of fruitful and multiplication. But you know the story. Year after year after year, Abraham and Sarah remained in their barren state. Uh, They tried to believe God, but... but (laughs) they just weren't seeing the results. And if you know the story, Sarah had an idea and Abraham adopted it and Hagar came into the picture and then Ishmael. But in the end, Isaac came forth. The promise was in Isaac and we know the rest of the story. Jesus, when he uh, sent his disciples to go into all the world. He preached to them a message of multiplication. There was only a few of them, but he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Preach the gospel, make disciples of every tribe, every ethnic group. Jesus was speaking about a multiplication of the kingdom of God, a multiplication of new birth, more than physical birth. Now Jesus was speaking about a multiplication of, of spiritual birth to be born again, to be born of the spirit in the kingdom of God. And so these notes that are there in the Bible of God's mandate for fruitfulness, but our struggle often with barrenness but God then comes and gives us a promise back to this verse 27 in Galatians 4 if we turn to Isaiah 54 where it comes from we we see this in context because this this is a quote in context Isaiah 54 verse 1 And it continues, sing, O barren, you who did not bear a child, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who did not travail with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Now listen, it goes on, enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your habitations. Spare not, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall spread out to the right hand and to the left. And your descendants shall inherit the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Do not fear, for you shall not be ashamed or humiliated. And it continues in that vein. Guess guess who Isaiah is speaking to? Two. He's speaking to the desolate that have been carried off into Babylonian captivity. How must have they felt to have seen even the temple destroyed? Jerusalem laid waste. Looked like, naturally speaking, that the Hebrew people and their God, uh, it, was, it was over for them. But here Isaiah is saying, I see God sees you in your barrenness. God sees you in your situation. But here's a promise. You are going to multiply. There's a spiritual promise of multiplication. And the few of you that there are, and only a few, relatively few, returned in Ezra and Nehemiah's t- time. And that was very difficult for them. There was only a few of them left. He said, You will again arise and multiply. In Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 1 to 3. Again, Isaiah is ministering to those that are in captivity, and he says this, Isaiah 51, verse 1, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone and blessed him and multiplied him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Return to the rock from which you were hewn and the quarry from which you were dug. In other words, she was saying to those that were desolate and in a barren situation, return to Abraham and Sarah because they are your example. Because although you are experienced, you're experiencing a barren place, God has not forgotten you. And we see there the promise of fruitfulness. There in Galatians, it is written, rejoice, barren woman. Stop. What a command. Rejoice, barren woman. Why on earth should I rejoice? Why are you telling me to rejoice? That's the whole point. I am barren. I'm not going to rejoice until something happens. But God says, rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout. Stop. Stop. Break forth and shout in my barrenness and in the fact that I am not being fruitful. Shout, uh, surely it's the shouts of labor pain that, that, that although painful are, are prophetic for the life that is being birthed and you tell me to shout and I don't have any labor pains? Why should I do that? Here's the promise. For the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband, because we brothers, like Isaac, are children of the promise. There's something about God's promise and God's spirit that brings fruitfulness out of barrenness. Now, I want to address you and ask you, where are the barren areas in? in your life at every level, especially spiritual, spiritually barren. Sometimes we go through life and we don't see the harvest that we've expected. We don't see the fruit that we have expected for, hoped for, or prayed for. And I'm speaking at every level of life and existence. Kingdom fruit, uh, business fruit, uh, ministry fruit, whatever fruit, you name it, that's what I'm talking about. The fruit of, of, of our labors, the fruit of our intense prayers, the fruit, all the sort of fruit. And sometimes we don't see this fruit. And sometimes people look back on periods of their lives and they say, Lord, I believed for so much and I received so little, or, or they had so much hope that there was going to be a breakthrough of fruitfulness. And yet they haven't yet received that fruit and they question themselves and they call co- question God and they question their promises and just like Isaiah said to those people in a barren land there's nothing wrong with these questions but go back to Abraham walk in his footsteps because every seed you sow in the kingdom will one day bear fruit every seed Every seed of faith, every seed of obedience, every seed of prayer, one day will bear fruit, if not in your generation, in the generation to come. But I'm not really speaking about the generations to come. I'm speaking about fruitfulness in the land of the living, fruitfulness in our lives. Barrenness is a terrible thing to go through, but God can use barrenness so that when the fruit comes, it is appreciated more. Can you imagine how precious Isaac was to Abraham and Sarah compared to the uh, neighbors down the road that maybe had ten or fifteen kids? Can you imagine the gratefulness, that the preciousness, that the thanksgiving that went to God in his age when he got his. Isaac. Can you imagine that? We see, don't we, uh, Hannah in 1 Samuel. Oh, she wanted it so bad. She wanted a boy so bad. She cried out. The priest thought she was drunk. And then the joy the joy of receiving Samuel. The joy of turning Samuel over to the work of the Lord. I think women in that time who'd had five, six, seven, eight kids never experienced the joy that Hannah did or the gratefulness. They got five or six or seven kids. They're, they're having a kid every couple of years. It's no big deal. But to Hannah, it was more than a big deal. It was the most important thing in her life. The same to Rachel when she was barren and God opened her room to rebel. Rebecca and to Elizabeth. How amazing for Elizabeth to be able to, to give birth to John, the gift of God. Sometimes. Most times when we experience barrenness, it's because God is doing an extremely deep work in our hearts. Now, I'm not talking about the the barrenness of disbelief or unbelief. I'm not talking about a barrenness that comes from from outright rebellion to the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to you and me, God's strugglers. I'm talking about people that although we have our issues, deep down in our heart, we want to see fruitfulness for the kingdom of God. Of God. We want to see souls saved, born again. We want to see holiness of heart and, and an increased reflection of God in our lives. We want to see progress. We want to see our prayers answered. We want to see the gifts and the fruits of, of the Holy Spirit in abundance. And I'm speaking to us because the times of barrenness sometimes are necessary so that when the times of fruitfulness come, that That fruit is not lost or ruined, but kept and treasured. I already mentioned this morning that one of the problems when God moves in power, which brings great fruitfulness and and great magnification of his work in a short amount of time, is that those that have waited for this, sought this, believed this, you know, I think of the the, the prophets in the temple, the the woman and the man in the temple who God said, you're going to see the Messiah, and they got older and older and older, and one day baby Jesus came in and they couldn't help but profit. A sigh. And, and, and sometimes what happens is when there's a move of God, the people that haven't longed for that move, cried out for that move, or known barrenness in their soul or barrenness in their circumstance, these people that were just born into the fruitful atmosphere, there's a huge danger there because they take it for granted. There was a great warning to the children of Israel when they were going to enter into the promised land. It was a warning amidst all the promises of a land of milk and honey, of fruitfulness and the dew of heaven on the ground. There was a sobering warning that says, now when you receive the fruitfulness, don't don't forget the Lord your God that brought you out of the barrenness of hundreds of years in Egypt delivered you from that old Satan Pharaoh brought you through the wilderness fed you with bread and water from the rock which was Christ don't forget the Lord that brought you into this fruitfulness because the danger was they would and actually many of them did and they took their prosperity for granted they took the fruitfulness for granted and then things started to turn to uh, the, the the worst. Barrenness is a place of preparation for fruitfulness. Everything God does has purpose, especially for his children. We are the promised Isaac. Do you know that? And so when we're going through these times of wondering, God, when are you going to move? Wondering, God, when will I be fruitful? When, when when will that blessing come? Understand, God has not forsaken you. God God has not forgotten you. But God is working in you so that when these levels of fruitfulness come through you will be so grateful you will be so thankful you know there's things I experienced early on in my life and ministry that when I look back on them now they were so wonderful so amazing nothing to do with me not my ministry but that I experienced through others ministry through periods of blessing that came to the church and I look back on them now and I so much more appreciate them now than I did and sometimes I think to myself you know Lord at the time I didn't really recognize or value as I should the things that you were doing amongst us or the things that I witnessed or the things that I was blessed enough to see as as fruitfulness came in different parts of the world but now Lord now I believe that you're taking me on a road where perhaps we together will get to the place where when the fruitfulness comes we will leap for joy uh, the, the, our mouth as, as, the, as, the, uh, as the prophet said our mouths were filled with laughter when God turned the fortunes of Zion our ma- it was like people awaking from a dream, we just couldn't believe what God was doing in us and amongst us, we would prayed for it believed for it, preached for it, dreamt of it but now we were actually experiencing in our lives the fruitfulness of the moving of the Holy Spirit in our families in a, God's blessing came and we were amazed and our mouths were filled with laughter we just couldn't believe or well, we could that's the point but we were so amazing and we valued it it became precious in our sight and we stewarded Not spoilt by, but we stewarded the blessing of God. I speak in general terms. Some of you are already under great blessing in areas of your life. How are you stewarding it? Some of you under the sound of my voice have already experienced great prosperity, physical prosperity. Great blessing in your career. God has blessed you with gifts. God has blessed you with abilities. God has placed you in high places. God has blessed you financially, whether he's put you in a family that was blessed already. But God has blessed you. My question is, how much do you appreciate the blessing? Because the blessing and the fruitfulness that you have, if you appreciate it, you're a candidate for further multiplication. But if you dismiss it, if you take it for granted, then you are a candidate, not for multiplication, but you are a candidate for subtraction, valuing God, valuing God's blessing, using God's blessing for God's kingdom. All these things are God at work. And so we should rejoice and believe that God, if you're in a barren situation tonight, we're going to pray for you very soon and believe that God is going to break forth and that God is going to give you, if you're in a barren situation, that God will give you the rejoicing shout. That God will impart to you the faith to appropriate the the promise that the Holy Spirit is enlightening in your heart. that, that, That hope will arise again. Hope is such a precious thing. We believe God, but it's hope that keeps us going, that God will somehow allow us to see that which inside us is, is burning with such passion. God is the God of breakthrough. God is the God that brings fruit into barren regions. He loves to do it because it's the barren that are made fruitful, that Acknowledge God, rejoice in God, and steward the blessing more than anybody else. Let's pause right now where we are. Where are your barren areas? God, why haven't you answered my prayer? God, why have I not seen the breakthrough? God, I've worked so hard. I've tried so hard. I've prayed so hard. At least I've tried. And I've hoped and I've dreamt, dreamt of these things, of these movements, of these changes, of these saved people, lost become saved. God, I've dreamt of you moving in this area of my life, that area of my life, this area of my family. I dreamt for the spirit of multiplication to come upon us. I've dreamt of my finances to be multiplied for the sake of the kingdom of God. I've dreamt for your hand to be on me like a Joseph, to be a fruitful vine, creeping over the walls of opposition, so fruitful the walls of humanity and human thinking can't even keep me in. The blessing, being overtaken by the blessing. God, I've I've prayed these things, I've believed these things. And yet maybe some of us feel barren in areas barren in areas and we're looking at those things and we ask our questions and we, we don't know and, and, and sometimes hope leaves and we think well well I guess that's it then but when we say we guess that's it then deep down something says I'll say when it's it God is not finished he's not finished with you like he was not finished with Abraham and Sarah, he's not finished with you. Like he wasn't finished with Rachel, he's not finished with you. Like he wasn't finished with Rebecca, he's not finished with you. Like he's not finished with Hannah, he's not finished with you. Like he wasn't finished with Elizabeth. There's Johns to be born. There's Samuels to be birthed. There's Isaacs to be released in your life.